मंजुला Yeah, I'm fine. Now you know, like I was saying earlier, this is a very interesting book. And uh, should I read a little bit of the flap so that listeners can understand what the book is about? Sure. If India and China were to fight a war in the near future, India faces the prospect of losing the war within ten days. China could take Arunachal Pradesh and Ladakh with a minimum loss of life, and there is very little that India could do about it. This is because the Indian military is preparing for the wrong war. In this eye-opening and disquieting book, military expert and best-selling author Praveen Sani explains in great detail how this alarming scenario could play out. So, and it is indeed an alarming scenario, and you know it's like flashbacks to all sorts of things that have been happening with China uh, lately and earlier on as well. Let's start with, you know, what made you write this book? The uh, the final point when you decided, okay, this is a book. you know about ai capabilities of china which nobody seems to have touched um why did you decide to write about this so you know i i have been focused actually on the pla which is the people's liberation army the chinese military for the last 42 years as some people may know that i did about 14 years service in the indian army also yes and in my initial years i was posted uh, mm-hmm. on the border with china Okay. so that is where the interest in the chinese military it grew from there and thereafter i kept in touch with the chinese military and the updates and the upgrades that they were doing hmm. and uh, about 6 years back which was sometimes in 2016 uh, that is the time when artificial intelligence had already come in a big way between yeah. the between china and us there was a competition which had started right from when xi jinping came to power actually that okay. was in november 2012 unfortunately mm-hmm. all this was missed in india and mm-hmm. the reason people ask me why it was missed it was missed for the simple reason that the indian military uh, both are to be blamed the indian military and the indian political leadership indian mm-hmm. military why because indian military we have our especially in the army uh, we have the generals who have been doing counter terror operation in kashmir for the last 32 years hmm see when the problem started in kashmir in 1990 they must have been youngsters and they have grown in rank they have grown in stature but you see all this is not adequate the more important thing is that you have to keep in touch with advances in warfare especially mm. when you have a disputed border with china mm. Mm. so but the here the indian military kept the sights very low at pakistan everything mm. has always been about counter terror and pakistan now mm. on the other hand once the modi government came into power in 2014 one very drastic decision was made by mm. prime minister himself mm. in october 
no prime minister indian prime minister has done a thing like this before in mm. october 2014 while addressing his first senior combined commanders conference the prime minister gave the threats to the military and mm. said all right the threat is that the enemy is invisible basically implying terrorism what mm. normally happens in any professional military is that it is the military leadership which considers the threats which war games the threats which threat by analyzes the threats and mm-hmm. thereafter gives the threats to the political leadership that look this is what our threats are in okay. this case it was the other way round because mm-hmm. the, perhaps the modi government was more interested in terrorism and keeping the eyes on pakistan mm-hmm. so the unfortunate part is that why did the indian military accept a threat like that knowing fully well that the threat was much bigger than that mm. see this is where this is what i call the politicization of the of the military now mm. coming to my own personal case i was mm. fortunate that the pla was perhaps uh, you know they were considering my writings that what i was doing on the pla and i was fortunate to have been invited three times to a pla forum which is held in beijing okay which yeah. is called the shukshang forum i was mm-hmm. invited there in 2016 2018 2019 i was a speaker there at a forum i was the only indian who was invited to speak on mm-hmm. artificial intelligence in war and so i gave a i gave a i think it was very well received what i said there about the options uh, by the pla so mm. the long and short is that not only was i reading and researching mm. i also was fortunate to have first hand interaction with the pla i mean at that time i wasn't thinking really that we will have doklam or we will have this sort of a problem uh, in mm. april 2020 mm. then just you see the most surprising thing or rather the most saddening thing for me mm. has been that the pla has been on our territory supposedly on our territory since april of 2020 which is now two and a half years yes now it's a long time for the indian military and the analyst to start understanding the pla warfare because mm. pla is at the edge is at the forefront of the advances in warfare mm. why is the indian military still not doing it why is it going on uh you see accepting the threat which has been given by the government now these are very crucial very very crucial questions in mm. fact if i may share with you yeah. i actually had a talk with my editor at uh, the public the, the editor at the publishing house mm. and i told her i said look don't you think that i am taking you know the whole the whole process that they have it takes about a year for the mm. book to be edited and before it comes out so yeah. i was getting a bit anxious about the whole thing that look what if somebody else writes a book like this and she confidently tells me no i don't think anybody will write a book like this so i'm not patting myself it is it just so <laughs> happened that i was focused on that mm. and it surprises me that we have think tanks in the military army has its own think tank air force has its own think tank navy has its own think tank and nobody is sort of considering what is going on with the pla so that is i think in a nutshell the background to the whole thing
Hmm. Now, when you're talking about this politicization and and the army, uh, I mean, and uh, and the services taking sort of the baton from politicians instead of it being the other way around. Now, this is proving to be increasingly dangerous for the country, right? I mean, it's a it's a problem. Yeah, you see, it's not only a problem. Now, consider the case very briefly. What happened? Because the army accepted the threats, hmm. so. Uh, if you recall what was called the 2016 surgical strikes against pakistan yes they were first of all there's nothing called surgical strikes what was done mm-hmm. what was actually done was a low level counter terror operation across the line of control which was well coordinated by the military mm-hmm. because they they had done it from five places and the military and the political leadership took the credit for that Yes. Now we have the Indian Army has done much, much more dangerous things, which is called a raid. Hmm. This was a counter-terror operation against the terrorist launch pad, yes. and the army agreed to call it surgical strike. Surgical strike is entirely different. Hmm. See, they just gave the fancy name to a low-level operation, hmm. whereas the benefit was political of this. Yes. Similarly, if you see Doklam. Doklam, we got it all wrong. Hmm. Doklam was wrong. What we did there, we should have thought: Why is, is it that the PLA wants hmm. to start trouble at a place hmm. where it is disadvantaged militarily? Hmm. Basically, they were throwing the bait, and we took it because the military wanted to show the strong image of the prime minister that look, we have stopped the PLA, but we have actually lost the war. In the sense that we paid a heavy price uh, at Doklam, we can talk about this a little later. Hmm. Then you see the again the so, this bala code that happened yes. in February of 2019. Hmm. The next day, the day we went, you know, our air force went a bit in, and we went in at night. These people came. The Pakistan air force came in broad daylight. They yes. came in broad daylight, and they. they transgressed the line of actual the line of control through the bombs went back the indian air force accepted that yes it was an act of war but did nothing but mm-hmm. because the result was seen in the general election of uh, uh, you know 2019 we saw yes. the results so mm-hmm. the long the point is that during surgical strike what happened was pakistan it was clear to pakistan that india does not have any longer uh, edge or a capability to army does not have the capability to fight a war and in uh, balakot it became very clear that even the indian air force is not prepared for an escalation hmm. so all this feedback obviously was given to the chinese by the pakistanis Hmm. therefore when the chinese came in april 2020 and they came in they were absolutely confident hmm. that look we cannot be thrown out hmm. and there we are sitting on our territory for two and a half years so the point i am making is while they may may have been political gains in terms of national security we have lost a lot and in my assessment today for anybody who reads the book he'll find it there that today india's national security is at the lowest since independence really yes that's that's really worrying no 
I mean, it is absolutely worrying. It is absolutely, and this is what worries me a lot. That what is our military leadership doing? Why is our military leadership not putting their heads together, understanding that the? I mean, our primary threat. I'm not saying that we have to go to war with China. Mm. What I'm saying is that they have built a capability. Mm. It is again not that they will go to war with us immediately. If they go to war or not, the intention part will be decided by the Chinese leadership. Yes. But when they decide that, the capability is in place. Mm. Mm. So we simply don't have that capability at all. I mean, mm. all this talk, talk that goes on. I will give you an example. We mm. all have followed as lay people, you know. Hmm. that are this uh, general naravne the former chief the present chief general pandey and then the air force chief saying that look we are prepared for all contingencies and how are they prepared they are prepared because they have moved the forces hmm. they have moved the forces the army now has been beefed up Hmm. on the line of uh, actual control with china then the air force has also strengthened the air bases activated certain air bases but my point is this is not the fight hmm. why this is not the fight is because we will fight we fight only in three domains of war we yes. fight on land we fight in air we fight on sea that's hmm. it hmm. that's it whereas today they can fight in seven domains of war yes and of the seven domains things like cyber capabilities hmm. things like electromagnetic spectrum control of the electromagnetic spectrum hmm. things like counter space capabilities they can completely cut our communications will be rendered blind absolutely so what war will you fight hmm. Hmm. the point i am making is this is india today is at a extremely serious juncture hmm. and let me go one step further the war that we are looking at here individual valor hmm. you see the valor of a soldier on whose shoulders our generals are you know generally saying they keep saying we yeah. can take on any enemy hmm. it will not help hmm. why it will not help is because the war is entirely different they hmm. are not joining the land war at all hmm. why they will not join the land war is i will explain Okay. for example we have our soldiers on the front line hmm. what they will get is what is called the slaughter bots the mini yes. drones hmm. they are very small drones which hmm. have facial recognition system in them so okay. they recognize that this is the face of a indian soldier hmm. so they and they already demonstrated that they have demonstrated hmm. that in tibet autonomous region they can release this i'm just giving an example they can release mm. this in thousands you see mm. so what they will mm. do thousand those slaughter bots will do is for example all of us have heard you know the indian army this famous saying that one bullet one soldier you use one mm. bullet to kill one enemy mm. so instead it will be one slaughter bot one indian soldier mm. you see that so what i am saying is that this simply will not have the pla there the human beings will be less because they will have these slaughter bots just giving an example now our soldiers are not trained to fight this how do you fight this because yeah. this is this is driven by artificial intelligence this is facial mm. recognition and the chinese are the world leaders in computer vision 
facial recognition yes. is a part of that hmm. the point hmm. i'm making is that i i advise that everybody needs to understand uh, what is going on about our national security in fact when look it is i it's not important what is my political you know thinking or leaning what is important yeah. is national security is sacrosanct for all of us for yes. all indians for us whether it's this party that party this ideology that ideology the key thing is national security we want our country to be strong yes. so when our government says that look our usp our unique selling point is national security it's actually the other way around hmm. so this is hmm. what is scary and this is what is troubling to most of us who care about india yes now you you speak about their superior uh, in the book about their su- much much superior capabilities in ai you know and and then when you t- talking about indian capabilities like we seem completely inadequate you know how how come the military establishment has missed out on this yeah you see i'll tell you it started with doklam doklam okay. all our analysts all our retired generals you see they declared that it was a victory for us because we stopped the pla on its track the pla wanted to make a track up till jamferi ridge you see mm. in a nutshell why jamferi ridge because in our assessment in the indian army assessment that if anybody reaches jamferi ridge and he can see across the siliguri corridor and siliguri mm. corridor is that narrow strip which joins the northeastern states with mainland india anybody is to you see cut off that uh, siliguri corridor then northeast does not remain part of man- mainland the problem mm. in this whole thinking is that it is 35 years or old mm. that is the whole problem why because mm. today the chinese have a capability where around the clock through their satellites in various orbits they can see the smallest thing and they have a mm. capability which is stand off they can fire accurately absolutely with precision so why do they need to come and sit there so somebody should have thought our commander should have thought what are these guys up to why have why are they creating trouble at a place where mm. the indian army is placed in a very advantageous tactical position because all the heights of sikkim we are holding which means mm. that if the pla was to come in the funnel which is called the chumbi valley they would become mince meat so why mm. are they doing a thing like this why are they trying to do something which involves bhutan also well they were clever mm. the reason they did was and this is very interesting the reason why they did was because this they they reasoned it out their plan was very simple let's start a problem where there are two things one that the indian army is tactically well placed so it will feel that yes we can take the pla on on top of mm. that there is a 2007 agreement between india and bhutan which says mm. under which we have you know we have to provide them certain security in fact mm. indian indian military training team has been there since 1961 but that is a different story not to go in that so yes we got thrilled we said oh okay now uh, that time uh, late general uh, rawat was the the big boss you know who was mm. interacting with the political leadership 
And so it mm. was, okay, we stop the PLA here and the PLA stops. So what happened was that when you when we stopped the PLA, PLA said, no, you have come in our territory. And because there is a bit of a problem about the tri-junction. So mm. if you go by their interpretation of the tri-junction, actually the Indian military went about 150 meter inside their territory to block their dozers from coming mm. out to making the track. Now, mm. what happened was that this crisis blew up because now, for the first time, they unleashed what is known as the wolf warriors. Yes. So, wolf warriors, we've never seen the Chinese do a thing like this. They started drumming, you know, as if now there'll be war if you guys don't go back. You go back, you come on our territory. Nobody has entered on Chinese territory before. So, the Indian leadership, military leadership, I mean, that time, it is on record. Because the then army commander, General Praveen Bakshi, after one year, he was there in a seminar where he said that, look, I had to increase my forces just in case there was an escalation. So, increase the forces. So, they increased the forces in self-defense. They said, oh, we have to increase because there is self-defense. What they were trying to do is, basically, there are two agreements Two earlier agreements, one of 1993, one of 1996, bilateral agreement under which both sides had agreed at that time that more than 5,000 troops, neither military will bring close to the LAC without consent of the other party. Now, these Japs did not want to be seen as aggressors. And they didn't want to ask the Indian side that, look, we want to bring in more forces. Why they wanted to bring in more forces? Because in 2015, they did major military reforms. As a part of that reform, they created Western Theatre Command, whose sole job, Western Theatre Command is in the Tibet Autonomous Region, whose sole job is to fight a war with India. No, all these things, pieces should have been put together by the military leadership. What is going on? So, once we increased our forces, they also increased our forces. You all would remember. And after 73 days, once adequate forces were there, they agreed that, all right, now we'll disengage. And the disengagement happened. After the disengagement happened, the Indian forces went back to their original position. But they did not go back because they said, this is our territory. You see, by being clever, actually got their forces there in self-defense instead of being the aggressors. And we fell for the bait. Now, Mm. next what they did was, again, not known in this country, what they did was, starting 2018, they started doing extensive military training. Mm. Realistic combat exercises. How that would help is you get data from that. You get data from exercises. Now, when you do a realistic exercise in a theater and that same data of the same theater, you put it in the robo. Then the robo is trained to fight in that theater. Yes. You see, so this is what artificial intelligence is all about. What is artificial intelligence? It is about simulating human intelligence in machines and robots. Mm. And a key thing about that is data. 
realistic yes. operational data nobody in this country was thinking about this that look these actually these guys not only are they doing realistic training they are also alongside now mm-hmm. since 2018 they've been preparing for the artificial intelligence war in fact i remember mm-hmm. in hindustan times there was an art there was a story done by a chinese correspondent in 2019 where he said that look a training exercise has happened in tibet autonomous region where they have used unmanned systems and robots jeans defense weekly did a extensive uh, you know later uh, follow on on that but in our country this story was buried in the inside pages and nobody in the media thought it necessary to follow it on to do a follow up story follow on story so the point i am making is how much did we lose now how much we lost is that today not only are they sitting there in tibet autonomous region they are ready they have also trained their robots with the real data sets which they have acquired from the operational area in other words today they will leapfrog on the one hand the united states military who's their peer competitor by gaining mm. by gaining first mover advantage in the new warfare mm. that is one number two should they decide to launch a war against india combat against india they are already ready they've been training yeah. for the last 6 years and this is precisely what i have written in the war scenario see so yes. we have to this is the time after uh, people who read the book uh, especially the people who are the analysts in this country and are indian and the indian military they need to read this so that then they can go further details and they can do their own research and they can see what all should be our uh, technology acquisition strategy what we need to do to come up to 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 overcome the threat that we have from the pla this is not all this is not all you see there's another interesting thing i must tell you again totally unmindful when 370 uh, article was um, you know removed from jammu and kashmir and ladakh was made into a union territory ladakh became a union territory now what that did was nobody seemed to realize in this country four things mm-hmm. number 1 it brought pakistan and china into a very tight embrace strategically yes. politically militarily today they do nothing without consulting one another hmm you see number 2 yeah. it made the population there the kashmiri is hostile towards us whether we like it or not this is the ground reality i have been to the valley i have been to kashmir yeah which is not good for us at all number 3 with most important yeah. you see uh, the as far as the chinese were concerned chinese always said that look we are border with you we don't have a border with india and ladakh our dispute is limited to arunachal pradesh which they call south tibet yes so the yes. earlier the problem was only of the pakistan side pakistan has a problem in kashmir with us it has a problem in siachen with us hmm. now see on the ground what has happened we have because now uh, we created this ladakh union territory which was rubbished not accepted by the chinese the pla hmm. has come and sat in eastern ladakh 
So basically now we are sandwiched between the two militaries. Hmm. And what is that take is uh, Siachen Glacier. This is what I have explained in details in the book. Yes. And number four, what has happened is that in case of a war, lot of their capabilities will be shared by the PLA with the Pakistan military. We are actually looking at things like situation awareness, things like round-the-clock visibility, things like electronic warfare, cyber warfare. All this will be shared with the Pakistanis, uh, whereby the Pakistan military will have major advantage over the Indian military. See, all mm. these things need to be war-gamed. This is an extremely serious matter what is going on unless we want a repeat of 1962 and there will be a big difference between then and now. At that time in 62, they went back for various reasons. This time they are talking about sovereignty. Hmm. So when they talk of sovereignty, reclaiming the areas, Xi Jinping has repeatedly said that we will reclaim the areas which have been given to us by our forefathers. We won't forfeit them. Hmm. And for them, the core, two core issues are Taiwan and Tibet. And hmm. Arunachal Pradesh, they call South Tibet. So there yes. is a problem in Arunachal Pradesh. There is a problem in Ladakh. There is a problem in Siachen. This is how the threat is growing. And this, these are the details that I have given out in the book. And you said at one point that you know the uh, uh, if they launch a war is and you know they will be grabbing Arunachal, uh, Ladakh, and also Sikkim, right? And then blocking the uh, entry into the northeast as well. Oh, absolutely! You see, not only that. Don't forget Pakistan. What stops Pakistan from taking uh, Siachen? Hmm. See, it's a very it's a somebody has to sit down. The this is the job. This is called abdication of responsibility of the Indian military. Let me use that word. This is a total abdication of responsibility. It is your responsibility to know the advances of warfare. It is your responsibility to know what your primary threat, the PLA, is capable of doing. No, so you're saying that because they have been engaged in this, uh, you know, counter-terrorism, like, you know, containing the problem in Kashmir and, you know, only focusing on, on Pakistan all this while, they completely miss the picture with China. Yes, it is the responsibility, even if you do not build up your capabilities there, it is your responsibility to know what is going on. It is your responsibility to tell the military leadership, please tell me in the last two and a half years, there are so many retired three-star generals who keep writing in the newspapers. Has anybody spoken of these things in detail? No. Has anybody spoken of artificial intelligence? No. Has anybody realized what has happened in Doklam? On a platter, we have given them an, an operational area where they can test the artificial intelligence in warfare. Hmm. Nobody has written about this. Hmm. But also there's a constant, uh, uh, I mean, there's a constant like feeling that uh, the focus is more on presenting a good picture to the Indian people, that we are strong and we are, you know, we are better than everybody else when actually this is what is happening. This is exactly what politicization of the military is all about. You see, mm -hmm. you project. Now, I'll give you an example. In fact, just taking forward what you said, you made a brilliant point. Taking forward this point, if you recall, in 2014, 
uh, when uh, narendra modi was the was the candidate for the general elections of 2014 hmm. at that time he was the only leader in post independent india who actually hmm. spoke about taking on the chinese in his hmm. speeches he said that expansionism will not be accepted you see it is that time now all these things it is fine i mean you you are saying for your domestic audience but then right throughout after galwan happened now see what happened in galwan let me give you this thing yeah. now in galwan yeah no what is terrible is not that the terrible the part i'll tell you the terrible part is that 15th june 2020 galwan happened we lost uh, boys they claim to have lost yes. less boys it is it is immaterial how many they lost see hmm. the key thing is that not a single shot was fired by either side yeah the right conclusion for the indian military leadership and the political leadership should have been that china does not want war at this stage hmm. was the correct conclusion Hmm. but because we do not understand their war we do not understand their thinking their strategic culture of the pla within 4 hmm. days the prime minister on 19th of june 2020 said that nobody is come has come in our territory na koi aaya hai nobody is here hmm. he publicly said what did that mean basically what that meant was without firing a shot china realized that they have achieved their objective of 1959 as the new line of actual control and mm. henceforth all the talks will be on their terms their timelines and precisely that is what happened because if you recall then in moscow on 10th of september 2020 our foreign minister jay shankar and wang yi the chinese minister they signed mm. the joint statement Yeah. that joint statement if you see those five points all the points they favor the chinese they do not mm. favor us and in fact one of the points in that is very clear that there is no mention of a status quo ante so but the government now is talking uh, it's you know it's a it's a double speak on yes. the one hand yes. they have gone and signed that uh, document that we will not go back there is no question of going back to april 2020 and on the other hand you are going on with these talks and then you say that talks nothing is happening in the talks because the talks give you that sense that our government is powerful that look our soldiers are sitting there and in the talks we are basically equal on the table we are sitting on the table with the pla See, so it's a it's a called a perception management projection of our image, but please, yes. military power or foreign policy is not based on projection. It is based mm. on your real national power, of which yes. military power, technology power is our two very important components. And in mm. both the components, we are way way behind Chinese today. and catch up is not possible a because the time gap is too much and b more than that we are not accepting the truth mm. how do you find a solution to a problem unless you say that yes there is a problem yes we are yes. saying that we are equal to the chinese all our analysts are writing every day and saying that look uh, we can take on the chinese we have stopped the chinese 
you see all by ourselves no because they don't want war at this time because mm. war interferes with their concept of peaceful rise which mm. is the belt and road initiative which is their mm. mega project in this century Hmm. you see so we have to put the things in a perspective and nobody is willing to do in this country and actually i am very disappointed when i see in the papers in the morning and let me tell you another thing hmm. i sent a piece an article this is very hmm. interesting i sent an hmm. article when this happened uh, the so called surgical strikes in sub- yes you mentioned it you mentioned it in yeah, the book yeah. yeah i sent it and the guy didn't use it i spoke to that fellow he knew me i said why didn't you use it he says well it's against the national mood see that is the whole problem hmm. <laughs> yeah hmm. yeah and you know the and which brings me to this line you know where you say say worse the indian military leadership is unaware of the pla's informatized and intel- intelligence intelligence war that is that it that, that that it is preparing against india yeah so let me just explain this in simple sentence what does it mean hmm. hmm. informatized war is about information dominance that means hmm. you dominate the information and deny the information to the indians hmm. okay now if the information is not there if the commanders hmm. cannot speak to one another if the topmost yes. commander cannot talk to you know a guy who is sitting some the core commander or core commander cannot talk to the air force base because mm. all the communications are jammed because yes. they have they have done a cyber cyber attacks or yes. they or their rocket forces the missiles that we saw that they are still throwing in taiwan they have yeah. the largest inventory of missiles in the world because they have blown up our command and control systems because they are all static targets yeah. so when there is no communication then this is what i call cognitive defeat yes where do you go after that so this is the yeah. informatized war which is done through their two specialized organization one is called the strategic support force and the rocket force now hmm. intelligence sized is about artificial intelligence like the earlier war was about information dominance now it is about intelligence dominance basically hmm. you get data from the operational area and you train the robots to fight a war alongside yes. the humans hmm. now hmm. nobody has seen a war like this you see yeah. now i'll just take you back to 1991 I remember 1991. I was in Times of India, and at that time there was shock and awe here also, because yeah. what they unleashed in Operation Desert Storm was something yeah. spectacular the world had not seen under their General yes. Norman Shoskov. You see, yes. what they showed were two things. They showed the guided munition, the U.S. military guided munition with help of space capability. and number 2 yes. they showcased what is called battle networks we don't have all this even today mm. i'm talking of 91 they having it we still don't yes. have all this mm. keep that in mind because we are at least 35 years behind the pla okay so mm. battle networks is the software system which connects your sensors to the shooters that means mm. a sensors detects a sensor says all right that is where the threat is 
so through the software the threat is communicated to a command post where senior officers are sitting they decide all right if this is the threat do we want to kill it do we want to suppress it what do we want to do they decide the shooter should it be a missile should it be a gun what should be used so that is what it does the battle network that is basically the connection now so that is where they had the first user advantage the americans the us mm. by showcasing that in 1991 and i am convinced that the way we are going you mm. know basically confronting china at every stage i am not saying mm. you cow down to china in fact i have uh, you know explained this also what is the way out nobody wants yes. war but mm. you see so today we are actually we have helped by doklam by uh, by our deployments we have helped in they now showcasing to the world the same shock and awe in intelligence sized war which is a robotic war hmm you see hmm. so it will be a, yeah. so what i am saying is of the three c's that we talk or the world talks about one c is confrontation we should not have get into any confrontation with the pla because there is no way that we can win Mm. Second is competition. We are actually not in competition with them. Mm. There is no competition. Where is the competition? You see, the economic part it is five times our part. They are the largest trading partner in the world today. They are in a tech war going on with the American military. I mean, mm. the chip war is going on. Where are we? We are not in this game at all. We don't even have five G now. They are talking of six G. They have deployed five G wireless communications. And the third thing is cooperation. Hmm. the third c now those are the areas we should look at how to cooperate and mind you in my mind i am very clear i was clear when i wrote, wrote the last book you know dragon on our doorstep that the yes. only way to resolve the chinese border problem is through the line of control with pakistan hmm. and now i am more convinced that ideology has to be put aside and if you want peace because for any government it is the responsibility that well being of the people should be the responsibility of a government mm. and for well being of a people economic progress of a nation you know you need peace you need stability right now mm. where is the stability i mean i'm just talking of the external because i'm not mm. touching the internal part that's a different story people have written about it mm. yeah yeah but do you think i mean you know, given given our national character you know i mean and our history do you think we can overcome whatever you know to become greater you know to cooperate in the region and yes, you know, all things yes i i think what we need is see when you make a national strategy it has hmm. three components hmm. it has a component of military power so you please make your map of what all you need to have not mm. what you actually keep asking for the same tanks and the same this thing then you need a technology road map and mm. then it comes state craft mm. state craft is equally important because state craft should tell us that look peace with pakistan is essential mm. it is no longer an option 
you see because if we have peace with pakistan now not to go in more details it is all there in my book um, yes, even yes. even in the second uh, informal summit which happened uh, between xi jinping and uh, prime minister modi this point mm-hmm. again came up where xi jinping had said that look what i want is that uh, there should be peace between india pakistan india china and pakistan and china basically they want peace why they want peace is because they want connectivity why they want connectivity is this is what belt and road initiative is all about and yes, i have explained yes. in my book in great details about the the part of the belt and road initiative which is still to unfold which yes. is the which is the digital silk road which is about hard and soft cyberspace connectivity which will change the world which will take us to the third revolution industrial revolution and the fourth industrial revolution we are missing all this because we are not at peace with pakistan we are talking about peace with pakistan but um, there's also the danger of being outmaneuvered right always by pakistan and china no see today 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 what has happened is if you see their uh, national security policy of pakistan the first national security policy of pakistan which was unveiled beginning of this year hmm. there it clearly says up talks of connectivity and putting human first it does not mean that they will they will downplay the kashmir issue they will not mm. it does not mm. mean because kashmir is the core issue but what it means is two things number one what it means is that the pakistan army is on board the national security policy mm. you see irrespective of whether it's uh, the, whatever is the civilian dispensation so yes. that is point number 1 point number 2 is as i was also invited um, the only speaker invited from here to talk on to talk at this uh, their um, uh, islamabad security dialogue uh, so this thing came up and thereafter some serving generals of the pakistan army also met me on the sidelines and i did a story also in the wire where they said that look we want to focus on connectivity we want to this is the narrative of the chinese the chinese which have told the pakistanis to do this because it helps everybody so the narrative is that look start the talks on kashmir start somewhere and thereafter we can not then look after trade we can do other things but the problem here today in this country is that the government has made up its minds that the only unfinished agenda is to get back pok pakistan occupied kashmir mm. that will not work mm. so because they, they you've not kept any options there's nothing mm. on the table to talk about i mean you have to give a a face saving uh, something to the other side also so that he talks and there is some commonality that can be find can be found so basically we are in a very difficult situation as far as state craft is concerned and we are missing the point for the simple reason a we believe that we are we and china are two equals if you see all the statements of foreign minister jay shankar he always mm. talks as a equal with china that mm. is one problem and the second problem is that exactly the quantum of military threat is not understood and i must emphasize this 
even by the Indian military, let alone the politicians and the diplomats. Hmm. But do you think this is going to change? I mean, it seems like a willful blindness, no? Well, I see things becoming worse. How will it change? I mean, if you keep, um, uh, you have to find a solution. Now, the again, what is their red line? Hmm. One, their red line in Taiwan was very simple and they are still continuing with that. You see, yes. similarly, here the red line is, here the red line is that please do not threaten our digital, uh, our Belt and Road Initiative. One part of the Belt and hmm. Road Initiative is the Maritime Silk Road, yes. which goes across the line and the Maritime Silk Road, incidentally, it runs along the traditional sea lanes of communications. Hmm. Now, hmm. what the Americans have done is they have integrated now India into their integrated deterrence strategy. Yeah, the Quad. Quad, Quad is basically the the policy making forum. Yes. You know, but the the exercises that we are doing. The bilateral mm-hmm. exercises now they become very advanced. We have sound. Mm-hmm. We have signed the four foundation agreements. We are totally mm-hmm. integrated in their thinking in their war. So mm-hmm. just sit back and think. I mean, you don't need a genius to think all these things. If the Chinese get worked up, uh, the PLA decides that all right, the route to Taiwan goes to Tibet, and if it goes mm-hmm. to Tibet. Then, if my red line is the maritime Silk Road, which is being threatened, then what do I do? I attack the weakest link. And the weakest mm. link is India. And they will not attack us in the seas. They will attack us in the Himalayas. Mm. And we are looking mm. at the war. You see, it's mm. you, don't need, you don't need somebody depth analysis for this. Yes. So you know, while I was reading your book, I was thinking that, you know, what comes across also is that the Chinese establishment has been thinking about these issues for like decades. And we seem to have just had a like a sort of stop start, uh, um, I mean, intellectual process to all these things, unlike them. Uh, no, I would say, put it like this, that uh, mm. once Xi Jinping came to power, in fact, now he's looking for his third term in October mm. this year and he's likely mm. to get the third term also because obviously he wants to finish the job that he has started. So mm. when you say that, everybody says that when he came to power in November 2012, first in mm. 2013, he announced Belt and Road Initiative. Belt and mm. Road Initiative is basically a vehicle. It's where they are working to their strength and their strength is economics, the deep pockets. And yes. therefore, it is a project of global geoeconomics. Hmm. See, so they are working to their strength of deep pockets and technology. Technology, hmm. now this war is going on with the Americans. So, yes. so the thing is that, uh, first of all, he did this. After that, in 2015, they did major military reforms. And why the reforms were required is so that the PLA is supposed to support or look after wherever the BRI goes. And today, BRI goes to 135 countries. So, mm. the Chinese assets, infrastructure, interests are to be looked after by the PLA. They do yes. not want a situation like we created a situation for ourselves in Afghanistan, where mm. when the government fell there, 
we had already invested about 3.5 billion dollars and we were worried we came back we shut our embassy and we came back with no boots on the ground there we do not want a situation like this because they obviously are becoming a world power so all these things should have told us bri should have told us military reform should have told us military reform they created the western theater command our military should be should have been thinking that hey what is this biggest land command created by chinese is all about then they would say hey it is only about india and bhutan i mean bhutan doesn't honestly matter bhutan doesn't even have armed forces i mean people, people may not know they don't have a defense minister the king is the defense minister there Yeah. So the point is, all this should have been a wake-up call in 2015. What's going on? And here we are doing a surgical strike in 2016, Doklam in 2017, 2019, doing another Balakot. What do you do? Hmm. Hmm. And you mentioned also that the Indian military is a reactive, not a proactive force. No. I mean, not only that. You see, why must a professional military? except the threat given to it by the government yes i mean this is your primary job your primary mm-hmm. job is appreciation of the threats come back put your heads together all the services and say all right this is our common thinking on the threat to india and give it to the political leadership that look this is the threat and not what you are telling us is the threat but it's the other way around in this country i mean it's all there to see for everybody we may not look it sound doesn't sound good uh, when uh, somebody uses writes an article politicization of the military then you know another general will write you know in a very you know uh, soft way that yeah but this is a exception we should ignore this it has not happened mm. before no there is no exception mm-hmm. so that is where we are yeah okay Okay so I could keep talking to you about it because it's like you know your book is a very interesting one and uh, it touches on so many things that you know like a lay per- uh, and it explains things in a way that somebody who's a civilian can understand it as well so that that was what was in, that that is what is interesting about the book so for the listeners you know go out and get the last war how ai will shape india's final showdown with china by praveen sani now you know it is not a comforting book but it's got a lot of truths in it and uh, it gives gives one a picture of where we are as a nation uh, today so i think it's like kind of compulsory reading almost so thank you so much uh, for joining me on the show thank you so much manjula for inviting me thank you very much thanks a lot okay bye 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 This was a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.